Hello, and welcome to a special episode of the Archiving AK podcast. If you don't know who we are, we are the archivists at the UAA APU Consortium Library Archives and Special Collections. Our department of the library collects, preserves, and makes accessible unique and one-of-a-kind materials related to history and life in Alaska, and particularly South Central Alaska. In this very special Democracy and Civic Action Week episode, Arlene Schmuland, head of Archives and Special Collections, interviews me, Gwen Higgins, about collections in our holdings related to democracy and civic engagement in Alaska. So talk a little bit about what archives have to do with democracy and civic action. So I think archives in general actually are pretty important for a democratic society. Government archives like the National Archives and the Alaska State Archives are actually required to keep certain types of records, um, which ensures a certain amount of transparency that is necessary for a functioning democracy in order for people to make informed decisions about what policies to support and who to vote for as their representatives to establish and implement those policies. The public needs to know what the current policies are and how they've been carried out, how they originated, where they came from. I'm not saying that everyone has to spend a ton of time researching themselves in the archives, but I do think that these records need to be available for people like journalists, scholars, and anyone who wants to, to be able to access records of the government's activities. I was thinking of something I once heard somebody say in the archives profession. I think it was Lee Miller from Tulane. And uh, he said something about a huge number of records in government archives will never be looked at. But they're there to kind of ensure like an audit trail Mm -hmm. to ensure that transparency. Even if they're never used, it's important that they exist. And it was it it was kind of a light bulb going off in my head when I heard him say that. Exactly. And how can we ensure that our government officials are actually doing what they said that they're doing? Right. (laughs) And carrying out the policies that we elected them to do without those records. It actually reminds me of of the book that we're reading um, mm. in our – so we have a professional reading group for, for archivists and special librarians, and um, we're reading a book called A Matter of Facts that is about, you know, the nature of, of facts and, and evidence related to archives, but also kind of in general at this cultural moment. Right. Well, and there's another piece. It's not just the elected officials. It's it's who gets hired mm-hmm. <laughs> at pretty much any level of government. Uh, you know, we don't elect everybody who works and go, we're not elected. No. And we work for government. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, it's true. So, but we are not a government archives per se. I mean, we have some university records, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, And in that sense, we kind of are. But a lot of the stuff we have is not coming from governmental agencies and organizations. So how do you see us kind of fitting into that picture? Yeah, so we kind of come at it from the other side of um, people and organizations 
who interact with the government in various ways. So we do have the records of uh, the papers, the personal papers uh, and professional papers of some elected officials. And these aren't the records that were required to be to be saved by by the government archives that would be appropriate for for their for their official records of their time in office. So that kind of I think adds to the the picture of um, government actions during um, during those people's time in office, um, as well as kind of shows. You know, in our democracy, it's ordinary citizens oftentimes running for office and getting elected. And we have, you know, the campaign records of people who aren't, you know, these aren't necessarily records that would be saved by, by the, you know, state archives or the national archives. You know, we even have the records of some people who ran for office and didn't get elected. True. I think, you know, it's, we provide a broader picture of what our elected officials are doing and how they kind of got into those positions. We also, as I mentioned, have personal papers of people and uh, organizational records of organizations that interact with the government, whether that is advocating for people to vote and promoting civic action among uh, Alaska's citizens like League of Women like voters. the League of Women voters exactly yeah. um, people and organizations advocating for particular policies or particular causes and a lot of times they're advocating to to the government and I think that's a really important way that the people of Alaska you know participate in in democracy yeah it's and it's not just advocating to the government, it's advocating to the citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you think of the work done, the Alaska Center, I know you were thinking of mentioning, mm-hmm. talking about them a little bit. Um, but, you know, we have organizational records from places like um, Commonwealth North, um, the Alaska World Affairs Council. These are all organizations who are highlighting what's going on in so much of our world today and making it accessible Mm -hmm. to just anybody who wants to show up yeah and certainly certainly that's important you know having having an informed informed citizens is is hugely important for for democracy and so um give me an example um or or a few (laughs) we're always good at a few examples of of some specific collections that we we have that you think really kind of fit this role. Yeah. So um, for political papers, we have, for example, um, papers of someone like Wally Hickel, who served both as governor of Alaska and United States Secretary of the Interior. And we have a lot of correspondence from his time as um, Secretary of the Interior, um, you know, letters from constituents, um, that kind of thing. Um, we also have records of his gubernatorial campaigns. Um, so, you know, while his official office of the governor records uh, are at the state archives, um, we have we have a lot of documentation surrounding his his campaign for governor, and the documents, the papers document 
his actions, you know, while he was in that office of Secretary of the Interior, his a lot of his inter- his correspondence with um, constituents, like mm-hmm. I mentioned, um, his interactions with with the people, and and it documents the people's interactions with him as well. Right. It documents you know people taking that civic action of writing to their writing to to someone in not an elected office but an appointed office. Well, and it kind of tells you what the issues of the day are mm-hmm. and what the perspectives are. I'm going to go a little off of Wally for a second. We also have Jay Hammond's papers. Yes. And even though we only have his campaign materials and not his office materials, um, which are at the state archives as they should be, um, there's. A, I was thinking about this because we've actually gotten into these a, a lot, made them available for researchers quite a bit. It's probably mm-hmm. one of the most heavily used sections of his papers are his briefing papers because every time he went out somewhere in the state during a campaign – Somebody prepared like a binder of facts on the community he was going to, what their issues were, mm-hmm. what he needed to be able to speak to them about. I mean, yeah, sure, it was the schedule on top of that, but it's it's like these these pre-created snapshots of these communities mm-hmm. and what's important to them. And I just, it seems to be for his papers that is one of the most heavily used things because it's kind of a look around the state at mm-hmm. a very specific time. Sorry, I kind of went sideways. <laughs> oh no, you weren't expecting that's, that. That's great. <laughs> um, no, I think I think it is it is a really important role of of archives is to show you know what people were what people were talking about, what people were interested in, um, what kind of policies were being discuss at a particular time in history but it's not just state and federal is it i mean there's no we have local certainly certainly I think about jack roderick who mm-hmm. sadly passed away last year Very yeah nice man. yeah yeah we have and also wilda hudson yeah. um who served in the anchorage assembly um we have several assembly members um we have we also have the greater anchorage area borough charter commission um stuff related to that right Um, those came to us because that was from a specific committee members mm -hmm. his own personal copies of them and the city theoretically yes has copies of these i can't imagine they don't um but this is just one particular member's copies of all of the materials and those get used too yeah and then in addition to people who have served in in public positions public office we also have papers of individuals and organizations who have advocated for various issues for example um we have some papers from laney fleischer um Mm -hmm. that document her efforts towards the construction of Anchorage's wonderful trail system. <laughs> which which um, Gwen uses every day or nearly every day. Um, yeah, well, uh, you know, I live right next to it, too. I use it quite a bit, too. And it wasn't just Lainey. I mean, so many other people were mm-hmm. involved in that mm-hmm. effort. I mean, she was really kind of the name at the forefront of a lot of it. But we do have, like, Jim Wanamacher's papers. Mm-hmm. He was involved in that, too. There's, you know, there's quite a few collections that we have that relate to that that protection of and development of what became the trail system that I think kind of started out of out of a state building project was at C Street, maybe in the early 70s and and the Chester Creek Greenbelt 
mm-hmm. requirement. So yeah, there's quite a bit there, yeah. and that you know that's just an average that not not so average citizen who um. I mean, who would have thought back then that that would have been so such a game changer for just daily life in this city? Mm-hmm. You know, every day I see people commuting to work and exercising, and yeah, it's just it's amazing to look back through our records and you know see the actual efforts of the citizens to get those those trails built. Another thing that has come up a lot lately, um, because it's uh, the 50th anniversary, we have a lot of materials uh, related to the efforts to get um, the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act Mm -hmm. passed. And um, people like Alice E. Brown, um, Janie Leask. The the fascinating thing to me about Alice, I mean, she's She's on the original found, founders group of mm-hmm. the Alaska Federation of Natives. And um, I know when we were, um, when that collection was initially being described for access, um, Marie Chris, who used to work here, loved to doodle during muted. She doodled. That's how she kept her head on the meeting. I, I don't, I'm not a doodler. I'll do a lot of other things to keep oh, my I'm focus on my, yeah. Um, and, but she, she was working on the collection and she was so thrilled to get into it and discover partway in that Alice was a doodler. And there's, a, and she was in one of the meetings and it was something on, it was something specifically on land claims. Mm-hmm. I mean, I look at these meeting minutes and I thought, how would I keep my attention on this meeting? Because I look at what they're discussing, and my my brain is just not built for that. Um, and and she's doodling, and it's this wonderful doodle of Don Quixote tilting <laughs> at windmills in the middle of this land claims meeting. And I I think it's probably I I don't know if it really meant <laughs> anything about the meeting she was in, uh, but I do kind of wonder. And this is wonderful, very personal kind of look at what was going on and maybe how and maybe I'm interpreting too much but maybe how some of the people involved with it felt about mm-hmm. how their efforts were going were they tilting at windmills so I always I always think of that when I think of Anxa now mm-hmm. and you know in addition to um you know, the work of these individuals, uh, which is so has been so important for our state's um, development and history. Uh, we also have the records of a variety of different organizations that are involved in educating the public and promoting different uh, causes um, to the government. Um, so Arlene earlier mentioned the Alaska Center, uh, formerly the Alaska Center for the Environment, which lobbies for environmental causes in Alaska, and that includes letters to politicians, you know, subject files of of their research, getting background information for some of these issues. Um, Huge research files. I mean, box after box. Mm-hmm. And we also have uh, the records of the Older Persons Action Group, right. which advocates on behalf of senior citizens in Alaska for, for policies that you know, can help improve their lives. And then we have other organizations uh, like the League of Women Voters of Anchorage, uh, which Arlene also mentioned, that promotes civic engagement among the, the people of Anchorage. So they their collection includes voter guides that provide 
information about candidates and you know ballot measures that are that are up for a vote in in our elections and then they have candidate forums that they sponsored um information about debates and also uh, files about specific policy issues. So organizations like these kind of, you know, the organization is made up of, you know, citizens getting involved, getting involved with with some of these issues. And it also kind of shows, yeah, how people how people have gotten involved with trying to influence influence policy. Yeah, so it's it's super important. Their work has been super important to to Alaska. So, and then we also have uh, the records of a number of the community community councils in Anchorage, as well as the Federation of Community Councils of Anchorage. So, uh, the community councils they provide a means for Anchorage's various neighborhoods to participate in local affairs, and they kind of work with the municipality of Anchorage to promote the interests of, you know, those neighborhoods, residents and business owners. Uh, One of the collections that we have, the Fairview Community Council records, contains things like meeting minutes where residents of Fairview are both learning about the issues Mm -hmm. um, affecting their neighborhood, but also providing their opinions and uh, views on those issues. They provide a forum. They provide a forum, exactly. And then, you know, it also contains information about various issues affecting, individual issues affecting the neighborhood. So things related to parks and historic preservation, building development, and also, you know, the homelessness issue. Right. It gives residents of those neighborhoods, yeah, a forum to, to express their views and to learn about those issues as well. I remember when we went to, was it the Fairview Community Council meeting? <laughs> and we've been to a few as we were talking to the organizations about the preservation of their records. And uh, there were also uh, the local, one of the city council folk were there to talk to them um, or to listen. Uh, it was in attendance. I, I think some firemen dropped by. That might have been a di- No, that was Fairview. Some firemen dropped by to talk about what they were doing and mm-hmm. what was going on in the community. So it really was that kind of forum. And, and uh, you know, maybe nothing can quite replace being there in person, but having the documentation of that and, and making sure it's there, you know, 20, 50, 80 years from now, not, I mean, as well as now, mm-hmm. Super important. And then we also, in recent years, have collected some materials, uh, mainly photographs and signs uh, related to some of the marches and protests that have taken place here in Anchorage, um, Mm -hmm. including um, the Women's March, both in 2017 and 2018, and the March for Science. So some of those signs are are really interesting to look at. And it just (laughs) provides... Just a snapshot of, again, the issues that are on people's minds, the issues that meant enough to people for them to go to out. show up. Yep, to go out and show up. And, and uh, that's a case where, you know, we kind of saw the need. A lot of, a lot of these materials come to us years after they were right. created. And this is one instance where um, we kind of saw the need to go out and collect those yeah, they weren't, they weren't they weren't going to survive. No. I mean, maybe one um, would or five would, but not not a full representation of mm-hmm. them, certainly. 
Yeah, and I, I think I think with things becoming, you know, more and more stuff being created digitally, I think that's that's something that's going to need to happen right. more and more because unlike paper records, we kind of treat our digital records as ephemeral in some ways. <laughs> Disposable. Disposable. Yeah. Um, we assume they're not going to last long. Yeah, so I think in order to to keep capturing, you know, these records of civic action and, and records that, that document our democracy, we're going to need to be more proactive just so that we can get to them before they disappear. <laughs> or we're going to need people to step up and be proactive for us because we can't be everywhere. <laughs> there's two of us. You know, there's only so much we can do in Anchorage. Uh, <laughs> honestly, uh, you know, I think about just some of the protests I've seen over the last six months it would have been you know I'm, I'm driving by it at speed and it's like oh yeah um oh ow I wish I could do something about mm-hmm. that so I have to hope that others know enough about the various archives in the city who will collect things like this and make sure that they're preserved and, and go to them or at least check in with them to see if they want them so um so you've you, We've talked quite a bit, <laughs> I talked more than I expected to, about the things that we collect, but that, that doesn't do any good if they're not used. Mm-hmm. I mean, realistically, use is, use is the point of the whole thing. So why would people maybe, why do you think people would, would go to an archives, would go to our collections to research these kinds of things? Yeah, so a lot of the policy issues that come up in our collections um, there are things that are still relevant <laughs> today. So people might want to get background information about the issues that mean a lot to them. They might want to, you know, see what has been done both by some of these people and organizations and also by the state or local government uh, about these issues. So the one that comes to mind is actually... You know, right now there's a big debate at the state level about the uh, permanent fund dividend for this year. Right. And um, I'm just thinking about the um, the Zobel, the Ron and Penny Zobel papers. Oh, the lawsuit. The lawsuit that it documents um, a lawsuit brought by this this couple. Um, I think they they were lawyers, right? Yeah, they were both lawyers. Um, she still is that they ended up suing the state um, because of, you know, some of the conditions of receiving the permanent fund dividend being tied to length of residency in Alaska. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that that is one that, you know, people people look at quite a bit. When, when we have the Dave Rose papers, mm-hmm. and he ran the permanent foreign mm-hmm. corporation for how long? I mean, so long. And his collection's kind of fun because it even includes some of the teaching tools that were used when they were teaching. They were they were pushing out school teachers in Alaska um, to teach about the permanent fund. Like I think it was the early '90s, I want to say. And you know, it's it's these things that are constructed for school children to learn about what the PFD is, what can be done with it. So it's an interesting snapshot of of the intent Mm -hmm. in in some ways so much on the pfd (laughs) yeah (laughs) collection after collection (laughs) and then you know the collections that that we've highlighted here and also the other collections that we have that document 
you know, civic engagement among uh, among Alaskans. Um, it just it really demonstrates how how engaged the people of Alaska really have been in democracy and the issues that affect their lives. And it can be really inspiring to see the dedication mm-hmm. that that some of these people have have shown. And sometimes, you know, it's showing up. I think, and and these do these do really demonstrate people showing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So speaking of showing up, <laughs> if somebody wants to look at some of these collections we've talked about today, or do further research on these topics and see what we might or other archives might have, let's start with us at least. Yeah. How do they do that? Yeah. Uh, so we're currently open uh, for research by appointment to members of the university community, so students, faculty, and staff, as well as members of the public. So our contact information and a calendar of appointment availability can be found on our website. If someone needs help deciding which collections would be helpful for them, if they just want to talk over their research topic, look at a few things on their computer screen, um, we can set up a Zoom appointment to kind of help figure things out, narrow things down. Um, That's really cool, especially if you do have internet access because it sometimes helps. I, I mean, I get lost on our website every so often just because there's so much there and learning to navigate it is not always the easiest thing. Um, archival finding aids can be a little odd um, compared to what we're kind of used to seeing um, about descriptions like library catalogs and things like that. Um, so Zoom is great, but you know, phone and email and those work too. Mm-hmm. It might be good to mention too that while currently the building, the library building is only available mm-hmm. if you are a member of the UAA or APU staff students or faculty. We are doing appointments, as Gwen said, for people who are not immediately allowed on campus, but uh, we do have to let people into the building. So that really is definitely a by appointment. (laughs) And as much in advance of your visit as possible. Obviously, we don't need that much lead time for a Zoom appointment. Those are pretty easy Mm -hmm. for us to set up. Or phone calls, feel free to call. But yeah, so it's, you know, a lot of people think that we're not open to the public right now. And it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world, mm-hmm. but, but it's totally doable. And we're, we're trying to accommodate. In fact, most of our researchers lately, I think, have probably been people who didn't have access to the building. Yeah, yeah. So, so we are doing that. We're doing quite a bit of, of those appointments right now, keeping us on our toes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I mean, that's why we're here. That's our job is to provide access. So anything else? Just that thank you for, for joining us uh, for this podcast. And uh, we hope that y'all come and check out some of our collections, uh, whether related to democracy and civic action or Um, to another topic that you're interested in. Once again, thank you for joining us for the Archiving AK podcast. Descriptions of the collections mentioned in this episode can be found on our website.